Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, really glad that you're here. Great. I hope you're having a good uh, kickoff to your morning. Um, hey, before I begin, um, there's some really significant things going on around here. And I just was just kind of thinking more about that this morning. I mean, first off, we had the uh, the joint worship night on Friday night with uh, bringing together two of our, our city church partners and uh, just bringing everybody together and just to pack the place on a Friday night and just was, it was an amazing experience. But the, the experience wasn't just the experience of being together. It was just kind of what God is doing, bringing churches together, city, suburbs, just across the board and uh, being able to do that in the most segregated city in the country. I mean, that is, that's, that's game-changing stuff that we're beginning to see. And then the Ukraine thing, uh, the serve Ukraine that, that we're experiencing right now. And what was interesting about that is, is of course, that was an unplanned thing. I mean, no, none of us planned to uh, uh, see what happened is happening over there. And uh, I remember going, we were just kind of talking in turn, like, we got to respond to this. I mean, this is something that we got to do. Uh, because when you're talking about millions of refugees and just the need and all that stuff, I mean, that, that's just near and dear to, to, to God's heart. And so I remember a team of people got together and then I got a phone call and they said, hey, this is what we're deciding to do. And I'm like, you guys never do anything small, do you? It's always got to be really big, huh? And uh, so we've just kind of we just kind of started this out and, and just some of the, the numbers and the need that we were trying to, to just do to be able to pull this off. I mean, we're just we're just huge. We're talking about, you know, over one hundred thousand dollars are going to raise to get this stuff. There's all this stuff that, that's happening. So we're like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to do this and see what God does. And every time that we've tried to do large events. One of the things that we've tried to do is we've tried to connect businesses and community leaders to be a part of it. And uh, not only because we, we think we can just put more horsepower by, behind it, which means we're going to meet more needs, but there's also another underlining layer. And that is the church has a very bad reputation in our country. And many of it is self-inflicted wounds, okay? And so we hope through things like this and through bringing people together that we hope to change the reputation of the local church that we see in the book of Acts that the local church had a great reputation from those who wanted nothing to do with the church. And so when we see things like this, and I also want you to think about this, for a local business, well not a local business, they're bigger than local, but for a business to give a church $50,000 is just unheard of stuff. And so we're just seeing God do a lot of things and uh, just to be a part of that, I just, I just don't want us to lose sight of that. That's pretty sacred stuff and we don't, we don't take that lightly. We hopefully steward that well and see what God does. But thank you for uh, being generous, for being bold, willing to step into big things like this and not settle for small, that when there's big needs, no, we, we step up big and you guys are doing that. And so it's just really cool to see God honor that and the things that are happening and all that good stuff. Well, I want to begin my time by showing you a picture. And here's the picture I want to show you. Yeah, it's a great picture, isn't it? If you don't know what this is, this is actually a picture of a piranha. Now, if you're anywhere near my age, <laughs> early 30s, if you're anywhere near my age, there was a movie that came out a long time ago that uh, was called Piranha. And I wasn't supposed to see it, but I found a way to see it. And uh, the movie was about a, a swarm of killer piranhas. 
And what would happen is, is that people would fall into lakes and they would follow river, fall into rivers. And all of a sudden, these just piranhas would just show up and they would just devour people. I know, it's a really deep plot. And, and so you would see this all the time. And the whole movie was just about people getting devoured by piranhas. I remember after I saw the movie, because I was really young when I saw the movie, I was afraid to, to go into a swimming pool for a year because I was always afraid that, you know, I was going to step in and a piranha, a piranha was going to devour me. And people say, you can see in the water that there's no piranhas. Well, they, they didn't realize that the piranhas were in there either, but they would step into this water and these piranhas would, would, would devour him. Now, most of us know about piranhas. You know, in fact, maybe you have a pet piranha. Maybe it's a comfort pet for you, you know, because everything's a comfort pet nowadays. Uh, but we all know about piranhas. And here's what piranhas are. They are literally flesh-eating fish. You get, prana gets close to flesh, and then they start to devour or devour the flesh. I think the piranha sums up our culture nowadays. I don't know if you notice this or not, but it just seems like people are looking for reasons to devour each other. It's like people are, are looking around and they're waiting for someone to mess up and so they can capture it on video and then just show it to the world so that they can, what's that term, cancel people. You know, we, we see this canceling going on all the time. It's like, okay, you do this, you get canceled. You say this, you get canceled. You know, you have this opinion, you get canceled. You don't have an opinion, you get canceled. I was thinking about this. If Jesus walked in our world today, I think he would get canceled because he didn't take a stand for certain things. Now, it's really easy for us to just see all this canceling going on. Go, oh, yeah, you know, I see all that canceling going on. That's great. But the reality is, we do this as well. We've all had a reaction to someone where we said, you know what, I am done with you. You know, maybe it was with a significant other or maybe it was with a spouse. You just got to a certain point and that, or that argument just kind of broke it and you were like, I'm done. Or maybe it was with a certain friend and they did something or they said something and you go, you know what, I'm done with this relationship. Or maybe it was with your, your parents and you were like, you know what, I'm out of here. Or maybe it was online, someone was, you were disagreeing with someone and you started blowing them up online and then finally you just kind of deleted them altogether. Or maybe it was with church and you had a bad experience with church or you had a disagreement with, with church and you finally said, I'm gonna leave church altogether. Now, I take this to the extreme. I even do this with sports teams that have wronged me. Uh, I actually, uh, I'm a University of Miami graduate, so I bleed orange and green. And when I was going to Miami, one of our arch rivals, probably the arch rival, was with the U University of Notre Dame fighting pukes, as we used to call them back then. And uh, I remember we would play uh, Notre Dame, and then on game day, you know, you, you go to the game, and uh, all of a sudden fights would break out uh, with the fans and all that stuff. Uh, I can't tell you how many people, Notre Dame fans, I beat down. And I'm just kidding, I didn't, didn't fight. <laughs> But here was why there was so much tension, because back then it was called Catholics versus convicts, and they, they called us convicts, you know, so we felt judged and demeaned by them. And so, you know, you, you call people convicts, they're going to beat those Catholics down. And let me tell you something, we beat those Catholics down. And so this was going on, and there was so, we just despised Notre Dame so much that this is carried over that even to this day, I can't watch a Notre Dame game without just that kind of just welling up inside of me. Now, there's a guy on our staff, uh, Joe, who's one of our pastors, that uh, he's a huge Notre Dame fan. Now, what's interesting is he didn't tell me that during the interview process, which I found very fascinating. <laughs> and three weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, he actually put this clock in his office, okay? And so uh, here's Joe next to his clock that's in his office. And let me just say this, Joe has been canceled from our staff ever since that clock went up. <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing. Obviously, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, did you fire him for being a Notre Dame fan? No, but he should be. Now, now here's the interesting thing. 
Now, here's the thing. For, for, it's so crazy out there that we cancel whole people groups, we cancel professions, we cancel political parties, all after one bad experience. I mean, we live in a culture of piranhas where people are just devouring each other. And that's why what we're going to look at today is so important for all of us. Because Jesus actually gives us a response to the culture of piranhas that we live in. Now, today we're continuing in our Here and Now series where over the past few weeks, we've been looking at these eight statements that began the longest message that Jesus ever gave. And these eight statements have a name to them. They're called this. They're called the Beatitudes or literally being happy attitudes. Now, here's the background of of this message that Jesus was giving. At this point, there is a a large group of people who are, are around Jesus, but they don't really know who he is, but they're interested. And so it's time for Jesus to give what is called his platform speech. And his platform speech is about what the kingdom of God is like. And we've been defining the kingdom of God over this series as things or as life as God intended it to be. And we hear kingdom of God, we think, oh yeah, you know, someday when we die, we get to experience this place and heaven, all that. But that's not what Jesus meant. Kingdom of God was life as God intended it to be right here and right now. And what's interesting about this group of people is that they all had their own opinion of what it should be like. It was like, okay, we overthrow Rome. We fight back, we push back, we power up. But interestingly, Jesus didn't talk about any of those things. In fact, he talked about the exact opposite of all of that. And so this was not only counterintuitive for them. As we fast forward to today, this is very counterintuitive for us as well. Now, if you're here and you would consider yourself a Jesus follower, you know, maybe you were just, you know, you were, you were coerced by a friend or, you know, they, they bribed you in some way. You know, maybe one of the reasons why you're here is because you look at all the devour culture that's going on and you go, I just wish that there was another option to that. And so listen, if you're here, I don't think you're here by accident. But if you follow Jesus, these are non-negotiables for us. That if you want to follow Jesus, these are things that we need to step into. So today what we're going to do is we're going to begin the second half of the Beatitudes. And so here is our Beatitude for today. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, not the piranhas, not the cancel people, the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so Jesus says this, the happiest people are the most merciful people. People who lack mercy lack happiness. Now the question is, well, okay, well, What is mercy? Now, there's a lot of definitions of of mercy, but here's my favorite one. That mercy is this. Mercy is giving someone what they don't deserve. Mercy is, hey, I know you've wronged me. I know you've messed up. I know you're helpless and you deserve this and you deserve that, but you know, I'm not gonna cancel you. I'm not gonna devour you. I'm not gonna go on social media and rip you. I am actually gonna give you mercy. I am going to give you what you don't deserve. So let me ask you this. How merciful are you? Better question. How would the people closest to you answer that question on your behalf? You know, how quickly do you just write people off? How long do you hold a grudge? How long do you do the whole passive aggressive thing? How merciful are you? So let's look at this. Let's look at the first part of of what Jesus said when he said this. Blessed are the merciful. Now, the reality is, things are really tough out there. I mean, 
things are bad. There are piranhas out there all over the place, you know. I mean, there are just some really, really tough things going on. I mean, you think about this. I mean, we just talked about, you know, the war in Ukraine and the fallout of all that, and that's going on over there, and there's a ripple effect to that here. But, you know, here's, here's the reality. Let's just kind of bring it closer to home for a minute. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. I mean, you've got, you got high gas prices. You've got in inflation going on. I mean, if you have kids getting ready to go to college, you know, and then they don't get the scholarship, you're like, okay, what do I do with that? There's all sorts of tension and stuff in, in homes right now. And here, here's how bad things are. They had to delay baseball season. I mean, you know things are bad, you know, and they have to, they have to delay that. I mean, there's all sorts of just bad stuff going on right now. But we got to remember this, that when Jesus came back from the dead, trouble didn't end in our world. In fact, Jesus even told us this. One time he said this. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Yeah, but what about, okay, I, I follow Jesus and then everything is supposed to work out well for me. Jesus never said that. In fact, he said the opposite. He said, hey, there's gonna, you're going to have bad stuff happen. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, bad stuff is going to happen. And you know, there's some really bad stuff happening right now in our world. But he says, hey, in the midst of all the bad stuff that's happening, I need you to show mercy to other, people's because, to other people because I have shown mercy to you. And so Jesus, when he gives us the vision of the kingdom of God, he says, one of the things I value is I value mercy. And when you extend mercy to people, you are being like me. And here's the other thing. When you extend mercy to people, you will be happier for it. Now, the great thing is, is not only will we be happier when we're merciful, Jesus attaches a promise to it and found in the second half of this beatitude. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, who will show us mercy? I don't know. Jesus, Jesus doesn't really say but I think all of us, if we're honest with one another, we recognize our need for mercy. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been out driving and I've been speeding and then a cop will, will pull out behind me and I'll be like, man, how did that happen? Because, you know, I'm always looking out for cops and all that stuff because I'm always breaking the law, you know, I'm speeding. And so, uh, you know, I'm speeding, cop pulls out behind me and then I, I always pray the same prayer and I just shout it out in the car, in the car oh God, if he passes me by, I will never speed again. <laughs> Cop blows right by me, you know, and a few minutes later, almost like clockwork, a few minutes later, he's pulled someone else over for speeding. And I drive by and I go, you idiot, how did you not see that cop coming, you know? You, des you got what you deserved. And this is really important because this is the mindset, not, that just, not just I have, okay? But this is the mindset I would bet almost all of us have and we don't even realize it. And the mindset is this, is I want mercy for me <laughs> and I want justice for them. You know, we all want mercy, we all need mercy and I would bet that every single one of us has a story of some sort of significant event in our life. And what, one of the things that made that event significant is that somewhere along the line, mercy was given to you, that you got what you didn't deserve. And that's what makes what Jesus says so powerful for us. You see, because the happiness we feel and the happiness we experience is directly tied to the mercy that we show. And this is so counterintuitive for us because everything inside of us, when something wrongs us or when someone wrongs us, it's like, uh, they don't deserve mercy. They deserve justice. They deserve to be canceled. I want mercy for me and I want justice for them. And so when a business wrongs us in some way, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on Yelp and I'm going to give them a justice review. 
or when someone wrongs me. <laughs> I'm going to let everybody know on social media and write a justice post. You know, I want to win the argument because that is justice being served. You know, we, we want justice and we want to rain down justice on other people. But we want them to rain down mercy on us. And we just struggle with that. Why is that? I think there are a lot of reasons why that is. But what I want to do is I want to give us a different filter that will help us be, as Jesus said, merciful. And this is an alternative to the mercy for me, justice for thee response that we, we just so often defer to. And I'm telling you, if you would be willing to lean into what Jesus says, you will like who you are becoming. Because as Jesus said, the happiest people extend mercy. So here's the different filter that I want to give you. And it's this. We love God by loving people. Now, if I, if I were to just kind of pull you aside and I would say, hey, what does someone who looks like, who loves God looks like? What do they look like? I would bet initially at least, the response would all include just like these religious activities that, that this person would do. It'd be like, okay, they go to church a lot. And uh, even when they're in church and the music is going, they're the ones who kind of raise their hand. And some of you are like, are they asking a question? No, they're actually just raising their hand. And as they're raising their hand, you know, they have tears going, flowing, down their, flowing down their face. They read the Bible all the time. They pray. I mean, these are the people that really love God. Now listen, I don't want to minimize any of those things, okay? Because those things are really important. But we see time and time again, that Jesus would say, you show your love for me by loving others as I have loved you. And when you think about this, this makes complete sense. You see, because don't you feel loved by other people when they love your kids, if you have kids, or your spouse or significant other, or they love people in your family or some of your friends the way you do? I mean, don't you just feel loved when that happens? Uh, when Don and I are out to, to lunch or dinner with someone, a couple... And uh, if they just sit and mostly talk to me, I mean, that, that's fine and all. But when they begin to talk to her and show interest in her, or they talk about uh, our kids, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, uh, we were in Chick-fil-A, and we saw one of your boys, you know, and oh, they're so nice, and they work so hard. Did you give them a tip? No, I guess they didn't work hard enough, okay? Uh, but when, when they talk about the kids, I'm telling you what, that, that does more for me than any accolades anyone could ever give me. You see, it's in those moments, you show love for someone else's kids, you know what you're doing? You are actually heaping praise on their parents. And God says, I'm kind of like a father. And so when you love my kids, you are honoring me. And so Jesus says, we show love for him by loving others as he has loved us. Now, Jesus even gives us uh, an illustration of this. He actually gives us an entire story that lays out what this looks like for us. And it's a story, even if you're not a Bible person, you have probably heard some or most of this story before and uh, because it's one of the most popular stories that, that Jesus ever gave. And I bet all of us here, uh, most of us here have heard this story. It is called the parable of the good. Okay, I guess two of you have heard of it before. Okay, so we're gonna take a look at, at, at this story and we're gonna see how, how Jesus shows this to us. Okay, here's how the story goes. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When, when people would test Jesus, it, was, it always ended bad. It was a bad idea. It's the equivalent of me going up to an MMA fighter and goes, you want to go a couple of rounds with this? I beat a couple of Notre Dame kids up, all right? I'd be glad to beat you up. You know, I mean, you know who's going to win that fight, right? Just it's bad. This is what happened when they did to Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus responds, well, what's written in the law? 
How do you read it? Now, the law that he's referring to is what they would call the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament. And so this was the law that they followed. And so here's how he responds. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And so he's quoting from a passage in the book of Deuteronomy, which was in the Torah. And then he's not done. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's quoting from another book in the Torah, the book of Leviticus. And so he's done quoting this and he's going, okay, I crossed all the T's. I dotted all the I's. If he was texting with Jesus, he would drop the boom emoji, you know, on him. It's like, okay, that's it. Well, Jesus responds. And Jesus says, okay, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. Every time I read that, it's kind of like, couldn't you just like stop there? I mean, you know, you had to keep going, didn't you? You had to keep going and he did. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, what's important to note is back then, when they said neighbor, they literally meant the people who lived next door to them or lived next to them. And I want you to think about your neighborhood for, for a minute. For the most part, okay, I think there's always exceptions, all right, all right. But for the most part, I would bet that your neighborhood is filled with people that are close to the same socioeconomic status, uh, probably stage of life for the most part. There's some differences there. But when you think about neighborhoods, most neighborhoods are just filled with people, filled with people who are very much like one another. And so this is what he's thinking as, as he's thinking about his neighbor. He's thinking, about, okay, I'm Jewish. And all my neighbors are Jewish. And you know what? I love Jewish people, so I'm good. And the assumption is, is that his neighbor isn't anyone who isn't like him. And in this case, a Gentile. Because they would see a Gentile and go, they are non-God-loving and, God, and God-fearing people. And so this leads Jesus, or this is the springboard for Jesus to tell our story. Here's how Jesus responds to that. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, the the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho is about a 17-mile journey. And here's actually a picture of what this journey looked like. And so it was on this mountain that actually had a 3,000-foot drop to it, okay? So it's really high. And then it was like this windy road. Now, understand that Jericho was, was a place where a lot of wealth was. A lot of wealthy people lived in Jericho. So what, what happened is, is that people would go on this windy road and they'd be heading to Jericho and they had this nickname to it, that this, this windy road was called the Bloody Way because robbers would sit there and wait because they knew if you were going to Jericho, you probably had some wealth to you. And so what they would do, the robbers would wait, they would come out and then they would beat them and uh, they would leave him half dead. And so you'd walk along this path. There would be blood all over this path, hence the name, the bloody way. And so Jesus says, okay, there's a guy who went down the bloody way, and this is exactly what's happened to him. And he's stripped of all his clothes. And this is important because this means they couldn't tell where this person was from. And then Jesus says, a visitor comes by. And here's our first visitor. There's actually a couple. A priest, implied, a Jewish priest. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, if you know anything about Jewish law, if you were going to go to the house of worship, you couldn't touch a dead person because you'd be considered clean or unclean, and so you couldn't go in. But I want you to notice what Jesus says here. He says he was going down the same road. In other words, he'd already been to church. He was leaving church. And so here's what you have. You have the lead pastor. He is leaving church. 
He sees someone in desperate need. He's barely alive. And here's what the lead pastor says. That's your problem. That's on you. Not my problem. And he walks on by. And then we get the second character in our story and says, so to a Levite. When he came to the place and he saw him. Now, a Levite, that'd be like the equivalent of, of a worship leader today. And here's the thing about worship leaders, okay? You know, most of the people that are on stage, you know, they can play music and all this stuff and sing. That's the cool people. You know, the lead pastor is not the cool person, as you, as you guys well know. And so now you have the Levite, the worship leader, that sees this. And what does he do? Oh, he passed by on the other side. And so you have the lead pastor and the worship leader. They leave church. They see this person who is half dead and they look at him and they have the same reaction. Here's what they're probably thinking. You shouldn't have gone down the bloody way. You deserved what you had coming to you. And then there's a third character that gets introduced in our story. And then Jesus says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. Now, Jews saw Samaritans as half-breeds. So you would have a Jew marry a Gentile and they had kids. And so they were seen as religious and ethnic half-breeds. And Jews, they thought Samaritans were dogs. And Samaritans thought Jews were dogs. Yet Jesus, as he tells this story, and remember saying, Jesus is Jewish. As he tells this story, he says it was the Samaritan of all people that showed mercy and compassion more than the Jewish religious leaders. And then he tells us how he showed compassion. He says he went to, he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And so what they would do is they'd pour oil and wine and would soften the wounds so they could better clean the wounds. He says, then he put on the man on his own, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denera. Now think about two denera is two weeks of wages. So can you imagine you see someone and go, you know what, I'm gonna take my last paycheck and I'm going to give it all away to help this person. He says, and he gave them to the innkeeper. To look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus asks this guy a question. And here's the question he raises. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Because remember, that was the original question that you asked me. And then listen to his response. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He hates Samaritans so badly, he can't even say the name of Samaritan. And then Jesus told him, all right, you're right. I want you to go. And I want you to do likewise. In other words, this is what mercy looks like. So let me ask you a question. Who is that person on the side of the road? And maybe they're in your, your immediate circle right now, or maybe they are outside of your circle. But who is the person on the side of the road for you? And I realize that our tendency is to pass by that person. We just kind of want to look aside. Not my problem, not my problem, not my problem. But listen, if Jesus died for everyone, how dare we not love everyone? And see, listen, loving people and showing mercy and compassion to people doesn't mean you have to agree with them, doesn't mean you validate opinions or anything like that, but it does mean that we value the image of God in them. And the way that we do that is by honoring that image. Most of us, we miss this part of the story. And the part that we miss is found in this question. Who are we in the story? We are the dying person 
as lying on the side of the road. And our enemy, Satan, has stripped us, beaten us, and left us half for dead. But you know who the Samaritan is? The Samaritan is Jesus who comes alongside to save us. And because of his death, the oil of anointing is upon us. And because he shed his blood, his blood is the equivalent of that wine that he poured on the man so that his wounds could be healed. And Jesus says, I'm coming back someday. And when I come back someday, you just need to know I'm going to bring even, even more riches and I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth because I love extending mercy to people. So who is it? Who is that person for you that's on the side of the road? And I know you want to pass by, but listen, would you be willing to give them what they don't deserve? Not because they deserve it, but because you didn't deserve it and I didn't deserve it and it was given to us. One of my favorite things that we do as a church is every year we do something called Live Big. Now, if you're new and you don't know what Live Big is, here's what Live Big is. We carve out about four weeks every year and we challenge our entire church to a season of generosity. And that generosity looks like we give financially and we give of our time and 100% of it goes to help those in need with no strings attached. Well, this past December, we did this event for the very first time. It was called Winter Wonderfest where in Jesus' name, we serve 1,700 kids, and here's some pictures, 1,700 kids who were living below the poverty line in, in right in our surrounding community. And so all day, people were, were, were coming into our building, and uh, so what would happen is people from the community would come in and they would check in, and when people came into our, into our building, the people checking in, you know what they didn't do? They didn't go, okay, how'd you get into this situation? And we need to hear your story. And then hearing stories and going like, oh, well, you could have had that coming. Well, you deserved it. You should have made different decisions. Can you imagine even just, it just feels icky, just even saying that. They didn't do that and said they didn't want to know any of that stuff because you know what? What you deserve or don't deserve doesn't matter. What did matter is we just got to love and care for people all day long. I remember walking around the building and the building was packed. The whole building was packed with people. And there was so much joy in the place. And the joy just wasn't from the 1,700 kids and their families, even though they were joyful. But you know where else was experiencing joy? The nearly 1,000 people who served others that day. Uh, with the Serve Ukraine thing, uh, I decided uh, that we were going to sign my entire family up for uh, one of the shifts. And, and, you know, you would think, you know, a oh, pastor's family, you know, they probably just can't wait to get here, you know? Well, listen, I've got, I've got three teenagers, okay? So it doesn't matter pastor family, not pastor family. So, hey, okay, we're going to go and, and we're going to serve for three hours. I didn't get, I got, oh, no, that, no we don't want to do that. That's, we got things to do. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I don't know, but we can come up with things to do. Dad, we don't want to do that. I'm like, no, 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 we're going to do this and we're going to come here and all that stuff. Okay, so we get here. And uh, so I'm a, I'm a high achiever, okay? I like to look for goals and like, we can beat that goal and all that stuff, okay? And so we, we were serving in the table where you got to like put the boxes and get them ready for, uh, to go on the pallets, okay? So we start to get this going and I'm like, okay, we got a system going here. I know what the most boxes being, being packed in, th in three hours were. So I said, dudes, we can break the record. They're like, what record? Who cares? We can break the record, okay? So we're going to crank this thing out. And so for the, for the next two and a half hours, I mean, we just went after it. And so we're going, we're going, we're going, you know, and we're working our butts off and all that stuff. And we get done and we shattered the record of, of boxes that were packed, you know? And here's the thing, what was like, oh, dad, we got done, man, and we're high-fiving and we're celebrating. Dad, that was so much fun and all that stuff. And do you know why that is? Because the happiest people 
are merciful people. And you know, it just doesn't make the people doing it happy. It also has a ripple effect to those on the receiving end of it. And here's one more thing I want to add to that. As we look at our world and we just see all the stuff going on, we go, man, I just wish our world would change. It's not going to change because of legislation or government or even religion. It'll change because of Jesus. That when the church acts like and shows Jesus, guess what will begin to happen? Change will begin to happen. And Jesus steps in and says, here's how I want you to do it. Would you be willing to extend mercy to people? Now, I want to close with this. I want to close by giving you just a few practical ways that you can extend mercy this week. And here's, what I, here's my challenge for you. I just want you to do one act of mercy every day. That's it, just for this week. One act of mercy. Before you lay your head on the pillow, one act. And it needs to start with this decision. You have to decide that you're going to show your love for God by loving people. You see, you've got to move it from the God side to the people side. Because once it gets to the people side, then we begin to act. So you just need to know this. When you serve people, you are really serving Jesus. When you forgive people, you are being like Jesus. What if you just kind of let go of that grudge that you've been holding on to for so many years? Hey, what if you lectured less and actually listened more? Hey, what if you just gave your parents some grace this week? What if you're, when you're out driving, and all of a sudden, it seems like it's that day that all the bad drivers come around you. It's kind of like, you know, the devil's after me. And I know what you think. They're the devil and all that stuff. I do as well. And they're, they're around you and they're driving you crazy, all these bad drivers. Instead of being tempted to give them the one finger wave. I've seen you. I've been on the receiving end of those. Instead of doing that, what if you go, you know, maybe something's really going on in their life. I'm just going to just pray for them and their situation. What about next time you're on social media and you see someone posting a bunch of stuff that you don't agree with, you know, because we're always right, right? I mean, we're always right. And instead of doing that, We'll just not say anything and go, it just really doesn't matter all that much. Would you be willing to actually extend mercy this week? Not because they deserve it, because they don't. None of us do. But it's because we receive mercy and we didn't deserve it. And so Jesus steps in and he says, blessed are the merciful. Not to cancel people, not I'm going to write you off, not hey, I don't care, I don't agree with you, I'm done with you merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The happiest people are those who are merciful. Let me pray for us. Father, um, I, thinking about just these words said 2,000 years ago, nearly 2,000 years ago, and um, they were practical back then, but man, as we look at our culture and our world today, and we just see people just chewing people up and spitting them out and not thinking anything of it, God, I think this is even more practical today. And so, God, we're not going to point fingers out there. We're going to point fingers in here. And we're going to start with us and just the calling that you have on us to be merciful. But this is what your kingdom looks like. And so to follow you means to be merciful. So, God, I pray this week that just through all the clutter and all the junk and, and all the tension, that you would make us very aware just one time a day, God, just one time a day, Ways that we can give people what they don't deserve. Not so we can get a reaction or the response that we're looking for, just because it's what you call us to do. And it's part of following you. And so, Father, I pray this week we'd have the courage to do that. And God, uh, what's really great about that is no matter the response or the change or lack thereof, we're happier for it. We're happy. And so the happiest people are merciful people. God, may we be just that. 
And may through all of that, may you just multiply our efforts to make our world a better place. And we thank you for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.